And welcome to One and Done TV. I am your co-host, Ian Hamilton, and welcome to our very first live episode of One and Done with a studio audience of one who is... John Polking, his co-host. And here's how you know it's live. Did you hear that, folks? I slapped Ian right in the face. What they can't see is the grimace and the hate (laughs) in my eyes now. Yes, we are recording live, and so if it sounds different, it's because we are in my parents' basement. That's right. Uh, The carpet and the ceiling seems good for recording, but for all I know, it's... This is going to sound terrible. Less than music to your ears. Well, it's a great way to ring in the new year. With a with a new studio that will only be very temporary. That was very temporary. <laughs> yeah. And if we have to do this again, <laughs> we wouldn't do it this way, probably. No. But, but we skipped a week and we didn't want to do that again. Nope. And also, I've really been looking forward to this this episode. I have too. So this is our end of 2022 extravaganza. Now, Ian, what is an extravaganza? An extravaganza is when there's a pope in Rome, but then there is a second pope in, sorry, in Vatican City, but he doesn't talk to anyone anymore. Mm-hmm. I've seen the two popes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I actually still haven't seen the two popes. Oh, it's really good. But I'm really enjoying What's His Face in the Crown season five. The other Pope, not the Anthony Hopkins. Not pope. Anthony Hopkins, but oh my god, what's his name? The guy from Game of Thrones. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. And he's in a lot of other things, uh-huh. and I feel bad that Jonathan Price. Thank you. Oh god, that was going to kill me. Yeah. Do you watch The Crown or no? No, I don't. Okay, because the cool. Okay, first of all, first two seasons are genuinely very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much about the royal family that you're like, what? (laughs) But then uh, the gimmick, you know, is that they recast everyone every two years. Yeah. And it is cool to see them them do this. Like uh, Dominic West is the new uh, Prince Charles. Mm -hmm. And he is like dangerous good. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I love The Wire and... I've never seen the show, uh, The Divorce? Uh, the Affair. The Affair. I almost said Divorce, Sarah Jessica Parker. If you're a fan of the show, we've talked about this. <laughs> um, Dominic West, this has really proved to me what a great actor he is because he's always been more of a, like in, in The Wire, he does this weird Baltimore accent. And then he, he's a good actor, but in this, he really is like, choosy with the way he says things than the way he moves Mm -hmm. you know like he really is embodying a different person purposeful a purposeful style of acting exactly considering the one that i am no offense more of an actor than you (laughs) you said it so much better than i did well that's because i interpret the art i don't live it i don't (laughs) live it the way that you do although you've done more meisner than i have that is true yeah, I never got into Meisner. 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 I'm not listening. I'm I'm putting <laughs> new versions on you. You're doing a great job listening. Thank though. you. 
Yeah. That's because I've done Meisner. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, is that what you've been ringing out uh, 2022 with? In in Australia, I took a bath every day because mm-hmm. our hotel rooms always had great baths. And The Crown Season 5 was my bath show. Beautiful. And then I also want to throw out, I finally watched the McMillions mm. docuseries on HBO. Great. And it was an episode or two too long, but it yeah. is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. I think the last thing that I will be ringing out 2022 with is Last Chance You, the new basketball season. Do you watch Last Chance You? No, but you've told me about how great it is. It really is. It's like one of the best true like sports documentary shows. Like mm-hmm. the way that they shoot games and the way that they edit games, it's so exciting because uh, mm-hmm. they don't follow like the traditional rules of like, here's where the music hypes up and you know something good's going to happen. Sometimes mm. they play with like the the volumes and like who's getting the focus and it's not a clear cut story like every time, especially within the the way that the games are shot. So it always, I feel like, especially when it came to like basketball, because there are so many sort of swings in momentum that happen during games, they edit mm-hmm. it to a way where it feels fresh and exciting. And I think there's four football seasons and two basketball seasons. I'm really loving the two basketball seasons that they've done. So. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't realize that there was that much variety. I mean, I watch Hard Knocks, which yeah, it's not I, as good. I do. I know. I like the tension Hard Knocks, isn't though. there. The tension isn't there for Hard no, Knocks. No, it's true. There is no tension. Yeah. And with Last Chance You, it's such like an obscure sort of corner, like the junior college mm-hmm. people that are trying to build up their careers and their skill sets in a way where they can get scholarships at D1 schools. That's basically the uh, premise. So there's a lot more on the line. A lot more on the line for the people, and it's so much more human, but you also have no idea like what the results are going to be because it is such a small pocket of the thing. Whereas right. Hard Knocks, it's like, okay, A, we're just covering preseason games, so who cares? B, like, these are major professional players. Well, right. The the who cares aspect of it is usually, like, there's players on the bubble that either will or won't make the team. Yeah. But then uh, they're all pretty much millionaires, so they're whatever. Be okay. Yeah, or even, even on the low level, they're making a lot more money than I am right now. <laughs> so I don't feel too bad for the guys that are like, hey, why aren't you working harder in practice? I'm like... Yeah, if I was making that much money, I would I would work harder in practice. Yeah, but instead of working harder in practice, we're working harder now because it's showtime. Five, four, three, two, one, showtime! So today, for this first segment of the show, we are going to rank all 32 shows that we watched since we launched the podcast. I will give myself credit for this one because you were like, let's do a top 10. And I was like, nah, we did 32 freaking episodes. We watched so much TV in 2022 that we needed to give ourselves this task, this daunting task of ranking from one to 32 every single show that we have watched. Yeah. And I want to explain my ranking, my thought process a little bit before we go into it, because I really broke it down and I realized that there's three parts that went into my decision making. Mm -hmm. First part is critical because we review TV and we we are, part of it is we are critics. Way to listen to the podcast. Right. I, I listen occasionally. 
you know, uh, casual uh, fan. Uh-huh. Uh, but then one part was preference, yeah. right? Like, I'm blatantly like, what would I rather watch yeah. during this? And then the other part is just pure entertainment value. Like, I know this show isn't as good as a show that I put lower. Yeah. But I think between my preference or what other people would want to have on their TV, yeah. I would rank it higher. You considered other people? I did. Wow. Not you. No. People that matter to me. I get that. Like people I don't know. <laughs> people I actively hate. Yeah. I think when you have history with someone, it makes you give less of a crap about what they feel. <laughs> Because you're just over their BS. Yeah, I'm like, he's always that way. He's always, yeah, that's just part of who he is. That's just John. His his forehead crinkles that way <laughs> 10 times, 20 times a day. What do, what do I care if one of the th- times is because of what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's just a, a f- way my face goes. Yeah, I'm, um, I really surprised myself with some of these. Like, oh. you're going to be shocked at one, maybe even two in my bottom five. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So here's how we're going to do this. We're going to go a little bit more in depth into our bottom five, and then we're going to run through um, the sort of middle section, and then we're going to take a little bit more time on our top five, uh, because these are the shows that deserve some some extra love. Um, right. And we got a lot of different genres. We got some animated, some drama, a lot of comedy. Maybe we'll do a little fewer comedies in 2023. But Well, the comedies are shorter to watch and take true. up less of our time. We do. You forget that Studio 60 was like 22 hours of our time and that only gave us one episode of podcast. I never forget that. <laughs> I never forget how much freaking time we spent on Studio 60. But we have listened to uh, some fan requests, and we will be uh, putting more into some of the more storied one-and-done shows that will probably take more of our time in 2023. Yeah, specifically, you all can look forward to uh, My So-Called Life coming out in the next month because we're tired of people asking us to do it. Yes. I wanted to wait till episode, like, 50 because it, it's it's one of those shows that's like a, it's a monumental one and done show to some yeah. people, but we keep getting that request, so we're just gonna do it. Yeah, we're caving to pressure, which is I think a good thing. Right. Yeah, it means that people care, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, what what about your thought process on this list, John? Did you surprise yourself? I did a little bit, especially like in the middle. I think the top and bottom, I was like, oh, yeah, this feels right. Because uh, for me, it was more of like a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. But I also, it was interesting. I kind of found myself grouping like genres together. Me too. Yeah. So like the type of show. So I was thinking, is this just a preference for the genre? Or is this a preference for the TV show itself? Yeah, I was doing that. And then I think I broke it up more actively Mm -hmm. when I really, I found myself doing that. And then I was like, okay, but let me just try to be a little bit more. Let me try to dissect this a little bit harder. And I did find myself breaking it up more. I found that as well. 
Yeah. Well, well, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Should we? Who should go first? Well, I want to really quickly guess your bottom two. Okay. And I think your number 32 is Blade the Series. And I think your number 31 is Bob Patterson. You are absolutely correct. These are the two shows that I hated the most. So what brought these all the way down for me was just checking in with myself and my mental state as I was watching them. It was one of those things like they were both such slogs for me to get through. And speaking about like time commitment, it's a very big difference Blade was 13, 14 hours. Bob Patterson was about two. Um, They both felt the same length. But the thing that (laughs) the thing that put Blade below Bob Patterson for me was that it didn't feel like it was trying to be anything different. Mm. It was something that it felt like they were trying to plug an IP into something that didn't work before they tried to plug that IP into it and it didn't work during it. It felt rote and boring and slow and sad and it just was a bummer of a time. And I think that was the big thing for me was just it was such a freaking bummer to watch. I'm going to out you in public on the air here. Uh, You didn't even watch the last episode of Blade. You just read the synopsis. Yes, that is 100% correct. A, there was a tech reason that made it more difficult to find, and B, you just couldn't keep putting yourself through it. There was a point where, so Blade the series, if anyone wants to hurt themselves so desperately, Mm -hmm. the entire thing is on YouTube, and that's essentially how we were watching it, but the last episode is not on YouTube. And Ian was like, hey, I'm going to spend three bucks on the last episode to watch it on Apple. And I was like, I'm not. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, I even offered. I was like, I can we can zoom. I can screen share and we can just watch it so you don't have to spend money. Uh, You did put it out there that if it was that important to me, you would do it. I would. It wasn't that important. I didn't think it would. But (laughs) I did have to. You know, we pride ourselves on watching pretty much all of these shows, yeah. but, um, you know, I've cut corners on some shows <laughs> where I've, I've played some games on my phone during the, during the winters of their discontent. Yeah. Uh, but this one, I felt the need to, to stick through because it was so crazy town banana pants I, to me. I, I get that. I get yeah. that. And I'm glad you watched it. I'm glad you were able to bring that perspective to, or listeners, but for me, there was really no other option than those two as the bottom two. Mm-hmm. I'm going to finish out my bottom five. Okay. So at 30, I have adults adopting adults. Wow. Because while it was interesting at times, if you listen to that episode, it was, for lack of a better word, criminal. <laughs> it was a way for a guy who was basically trafficking a young woman to get screen time. And I couldn't in my heart of hearts, let the more entertaining other segments of the show, like uh, our friend, the German prince who was trying to adopt an adult son and had gone through five adult. He had already adopted so many sons. He was fascinating. There were other, some like genuinely touching 
you know, relationship building that was happening. But the one main fixture of adults adopting adults was so upsetting and so disconcerting that they literally pulled the entire series from every conceivable platform that they could. I'll even, I'll take that a step farther too, is that when I was looking up, um, later we're going to do an in memoriam for all these canceled shows in 2022. When I was looking up that list, adults adopting adults wasn't even included on the Nobody list. Nobody wants to remember adults adopting adults, but we, I'm glad we memorialized it in a way because it should, the record of it should exist. It's a time capsule. Yes. Yeah. And it is a sign of all the terrible ways our TV can fail us. At my number 29 spot, I have Resident Evil. Mm. Very similarly for Blade, just a bummer of a time for me. And I know you enjoyed it significantly more. Oh, yeah. Mine's it's much higher on my list. I, I have an idea of where it is, and I, I'm going to be upset by it. It just was so dour and again the lead of that show was so mean-spirited and just I did not care for the characters or really anything that was happening in it. You didn't even think the action was cool? Some of the action was cool and again that's why it's slightly higher. That's why it's higher than Blade because you're like at least it wasn't really poorly edited action sequences. At least they made different sound effects for different types of swords (laughs) clanging together which Blade did not. And then finishing out my bottom five is Connecting. Dot dot dot. The pandemic era sitcom that I'm sure is Somewhere in your bottom five as well. Can I make that prediction? You may. Okay, great. Let's talk about connecting for a second then. So this was the show that it was structured as if the entire thing was a Zoom call between a group of friends, but they never took the time to make us understand why these people cared about each other in the first place. They also spent too much time on sort of the more dour side of the pandemic. And especially since it came out in the fall of 2020 in a time when we were all still living in it, it was like, who wants to be in this moment, especially with characters that we don't care about? Yeah. How can you make this entertainment and call it a comedy when we all don't want to be here right Mm -hmm. now? Um, can you guess where connecting is in my top five? And I'll give you a hint. Your bottom five, right? Uh, uh, yes, I'm sorry. Unless you really wanted to throw me for a curve. <laughs> that would that would just be straight trickery. There would be no <laughs> truth in there. I'll give you my comment next to my ranking was top to bottom awful. Yeah, I thought it would be your worst show. It right? is. I thought it's so. my number 32. Okay. Do you want to expunge any more on? Uh, top to bottom awful. The way that they shot it didn't do anybody any favors. I hated the writing. Um, you know, directing wise, I think they directed the actors very poorly. I'm not going to comment on the camera stuff because like that's not their fault. Mm -hmm. Um, but I even thought the actors did a pretty bad job to the point of where I'm pretty sure they were reading their lines half (laughs) the time just off their screen. So it was the worst. It was the worst one. And, uh, you know, you can listen to the episode because I don't want to be too mean about it. But it was so, so, so bad. And I have my reasons. It is the worst show of the year that we watched to me. I hated it. It was tough. It was tough. 
now in the spirit of what you just did, can I guess your other uh, bottom one? Sure. Cooking with Paris? Wrong. Wow. Okay. I understand why you would say that because I said it was a vapid waste of time. You literally wrote out a <laughs> diatribe in response to your wife's wonderfully <laughs> written. For those who want to listen to something that was beautifully articulated and just wonderfully uh, buoyant and optimistic about something that could be considered very empty and shallow, listen to what Ian's wife, Natalie, said about cooking with Paris on that episode. If you want to hear the exact opposite, fast forward about three minutes and listen to what Ian had to say on the subject. Yeah, we did a call and response, and my response was uh, wordy, but precise in that there is uh, almost no value to um, cooking with Paris. But I think you'll actually be surprised at how high on my list it is. Okay, well, then let me hear the and rest I of have your... my my reasons. Let's hear the rest of it. <sighs> Number 30. And John... Wait, I th- 31 or 30? Oh, no. So 32 is connecting. Yes. 31 is Bob Patterson. Oh, okay. Good. Right. Thank you. Sorry. I'm glad. Yeah. I was really nervous there for a second. Ian has multiple times said, you are going to hate what I put. I, I think we list. may legitimately fight about some <laughs> of the things on this list. And again, I surprised myself, but I do have my reasons. I'm glad for Bob Patterson. though. Um, what I wrote for Bob Patterson is utterly ridiculous plots, no character development, stories went nowhere. Yeah. Um, which is a nice way of, of saying it. Uh, number 30. And John, you're going to be mad. The Time Traveler's Wife. I'm not going to be mad. I get why you didn't like it. Really? Yeah. That far down, though? No, yeah. I, I, well, we'll see what you put above it. You also renewed it. Yeah. I mean, everything is on my list. Yeah. Everything is above it, John. Yeah. It's number 30. What made it so miserable for you? My comment was too hallmarky. And again, I just, when I was writing the list and I thought about things I would. Part of my ranking was like, would I go back and watch this? Oh, okay. I would, I have no interest in rewatching it. I think about stupid Gonzo, the best friend, <laughs> and how that is a very weird relationship. And uh, I just, I don't need any of it. Too hallmarky. Okay. Especially for HBO. That really bothers me. It was something that I respected a little bit more thinking about how this was just the first part of a journey. Mm-hmm. And the one of the big reasons I renewed it was because I was curious to see how they would interpret the rest of that story. It does I, make me want to read the book. As a standalone six episodes, though, I do understand how it could be something difficult to come back to when it does not feel complete. It's probably one of the least complete shows, definitely, that we watched yeah that's a good point it it made me be like this would be great in book form they should make a book out of this show (laughs) uh number 29 queens okay i mean let's crack some knuckles bro um it's just the pure chaos of it all i i can't i can't live that way anymore i thrive in the chaos i write glitzy soap nonsense oh but man, what good soap it felt like. You know, it was a nice moisturizer. It was shiny and stupid and just an all around treat. I think I just hated how fast it moved. I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> it's like running a marathon backwards. <laughs> 
Uh, number 28, Cooking with Paris. Okay. Mm-hmm. So still in your bottom five. Yeah. I said uh, vapid, but at least like there was some entertainment value to it. Yeah. We it got was to pretty. S- we got to see her shop in a grocery store. Right. Those, some of the uh, cinematography and directing was surprisingly good. Yeah. Okay, so we've gone over our bottom fives. We'll take a quick commercial break and then come back to the rest of our lists. And now a word from our sponsors. Hi, this is Ian, and I'm trying to do this commercial as quickly as possible. Please review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Hive Social at One and Done TV. Email us oneanddonepod at gmail.com with any suggestions or thoughts. If you haven't hit the skip forward 15 seconds button yet, I will be amazed. Okay, enjoy the show. Ian, you gave us your bottom five. I'd love to hear the rest of the bottom half of your list. So feel free to run through the rest of these. Okay. I think you're going to get mad at this one. Number 27, The Get Down. Okay. Uh, We don't know. We'll go through your whole thing and then I will dissect it. It bit off more than it could chew is what I, I wrote. Number 26, Adults Adopting Adults. So to get at how mad you will be at me is that I put adults adopting adults ahead of Time Traveler's Wife, Queens, and The Get Down, all shows you renewed. You are trolling me right now, and I will let you just go through the rest of your list and then let me comment. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll be surprised at how much you can remember. 25, Clerks the Animated Series disappointed me. It was funny, but it disappointed me, and I couldn't get over that. Uh, number 24, Kevin from work. The first couple episodes were good. Held me hostage for most of the second half of that season. Um, I still thought plenty of it was funny, though. I, I feel kind of bad. Number 23, Blade the Series. I wrote crazy, bizarre, and bad, but in a fun way. And the vampire trend was only two years after it came out. So I think there's a situation where it could have thrived. Um, Obviously, it didn't, though. Uh, Number 22, The Duchess. Good point of view, but, you know, got bad as soon as it got good. Mm -hmm. Um, Number 21, Thank God You're Here. Fun but bad, solid background noise. (laughs) Number 20, I'm sorry to say, The Weird Al Show. Mm. It was just too much. Yeah. Um, Maybe if we had a kid and we watched it once a month, it'd be fine. But it's just (laughs) so, so much. Number 19, Studio 60. Uh, I do want to read out all my comments on this. Not funny. Too many platitudes. <laughs> Absolutely insane last five episodes. <laughs> and too many dropped storylines. And yet, why do I still kind of like it? <laughs> Don't know. Uh, number 18, Bam's Unholy Union. Um, number 17, DC's Swamp Thing. Okay. And so that is my bottom 16. Okay. So you put at the bottom some very ambitious shows, which is interesting because I had similar thoughts and you'll see in a second. But I got to ask, what was it that was so bad about the get down that Um, made you put it that low? Well, one of the biggest things for me is it was really redundant because. 
the episode would start off with the guy. Okay, what is it? Little Nas. Who is it? Just Nas. Sorry. You were thinking Little Nas X. I was. Yeah. Uh, I don't know enough to know the difference. I'm sorry. Everyone. Wow. They are um, very different. But... Good. Good. Good for Nas. Um, <laughs> okay. So they took a great performer and had Nas dub over him. That great performer being David Dix. Right. And he would tell you what was going to happen in the episode. Mm-hmm. Then what would happen in the episode was exactly what he told us was going to happen. And then by the end of the episode, they would in the past rap about what we saw, which is what they told us would happen at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like it, there was a lot of retread and it was very busy to the point that I just don't want to watch it again at all. Okay. One of the things that really elevated the get down for me, honestly, was kind of the behind the scenes drama of it Mm. because it was this $130 million show that Netflix threw so much at and it got so delayed and there was so much that went into it. And then when you see the product that was on screen, you would not think that it was as expensive of a show as it actually was. And so I found a lot of joy in kind of dissecting Mm. the choices that went into it, which just made it, I think, a very fun, watchable experience for me. It's a really good um, tale about how production forces creative choices as well. Yeah. Like when you watch a show and you're like, why did they do that? And then you're like, oh, well, they were running out of time and they only have three hours left in the day and only two hours left with the kid actors. So they just had to get that part of the script over with. Like, that's it. And honestly, for me, too, one more thing about the get down is uh, the Shameik Moore performance, I think, would raise it out of my top, my bottom 10. Who was Shameik Moore again? Uh, He was Shaolin Fantastic. Right. I couldn't stand Shaolin Fantastic. I know you couldn't. And no. I really thought he was a compelling character. No. So you also, you're going to be surprised too, I think, as how much overlap we have in Ooh, our bottom. Okay. So should I just go through it? Go through it. What's uh, number 27? 27 is Kevin from work. Wow. I really, same thing you said. Like it got me at the beginning and it, by the end of it, it bummed me out. It wore me out with how sort of manic it was. And then, right, a lot of the shows near the bottom, I'm like, like that show, there was a lot of good things about Kevin from work, but there is a point where these shows, we feel held hostage by them. Exactly. And it loses so much for that. Yeah, and I will say too, just like, I think the cutoff between the bottom half and the top half for me was like, the bottom half I was exhausted by, the top half I was invigorated by. Like, I mm. want, there was some sort of propulsion towards the end okay. for uh, each of the top ones. But the bottom, like, number 26, thank God you're here for me. Just could have been something, could have been a contender. No thanks. Mm-hmm. Number 25, Bam's Unholy Union. Number 24, The Duchess. Man, I'm surprised Bam's Unholy Union was as high as 18 for me. Me too, for something that was such garbage. But at least it had some fun stuff in it. When I wrote it down at 18, I was like, surely I'm wrong. And I went back through the bottom and I was like, no, I guess I would rather watch it than these other shows. 
By the way, you're correct putting it there. I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, so right above it at uh, 24, I put the Duchess. Mm-hmm. Number 23, DC Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get behind some of the big swings that they took. But it was cool. That's why it went at, higher to me. At times it was cool. And then otherwise it was oh, yeah. really... <laughs> the held hostage part. Bogged down and stuff. 22, Cooking with Paris. Mm. At least there was some fun stuff to it. But even by episode six, I was not. No thanks. Mm-hmm. Number 21, Ordinary Joe. Ooh. Yeah. Fight me. What do you want? I won't fight you because Ordinary Joe is my 16. Oh, okay. I put it. Okay. Well, let me put the positives to it. I thought it was ambitious. And I thought what it really failed from was that it just tried too hard to do too much. Otherwise, I could have gotten into it. Mm-hmm. Why is it so low for you? For me, it was just like Swamp Thing and just like Thank God you were, You're Here. It was something that I thought had a lot of promise that it didn't live up to. And Absolutely. it was it just made it when you talk about the watching experience of it, it just made it a more frustrating experience for me because I was like, this could have been good mm. and it could have been a lot better than it was. So Ordinary Joe, it was very nice. We actually had one of the producers reach out to us saying that he listened to the episode and, and that, that they, they had passed it around yeah. as like the producers and uh, the kid actor really enjoyed it. So Shout they, out to him. Thank you. Yeah. Cause he was amazing on the he show was. and maybe that's why he passed it around. Cause we were very, we, complimentary. Were, very, <laughs> we were probably the most complimentary to him. He was, it was great. There was moments of it. that were great. And there, but those three distinct timelines had very different effects on me. And I, I felt that. And it was, I think it loses points too, because even if the timelines distinctly were good, it was confusing. I didn't always know which one I was in. Even though they did the color coordinating on it, it still was a lot. Mm-hmm. Number 20, I love Dick. Wow. Did 20. Not did not care for it. You can't even appreciate the artistic merit of it. I can appreciate it up to the rank of 20. Yes. Wow. Yes. But there was so that's... much pretentious nonsense in it that it, it that's what sunk it for me. Ooh. I Here's think... a fun one, though. Mm. At the same exact place, 19, Studio 60. Perfect. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Number 18, Clerks the Animated Series. Uh, it was something that I wanted to like a lot more than I did. But like you said, it, it did drag um, on the rewatch. Well, and were you disappointed on the rewatch, too? A little bit. And then finishing out the bottom half for me, 17, Why the Last Man. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, okay, please uh, tell me about that more. Uh, it was another one that I think could have been great, and it was sort of held down by its central figure. I did not like the lead actor in it or his character, and I thought there was a lot of cool directions that they could have taken with it, but they just spent too much time on some of the really boring stuff. and there Yeah, was... you didn't like the political stuff. No, uh, but there was stuff I really liked about it. Like, I really like the Missy Pyle storyline of mm-hmm. it, and I thought some of the relationships were particularly compelling, but overall, when I was thinking about how these shows stacked up, there was just too much that annoyed me that didn't make it worth, again, we're talking about rewatchability 
as another factor. It wasn't as significant of a factor for you as it was for me, but there was still that element to it that just, yeah, I couldn't get fully behind it enough to put it in my top half. I think stuff like, like why the last man and blade and uh, swamp thing for me where, although I actually, I hate to even put why the last man in the conversation with those two, <laughs> but uh, and resident evil where I was like, well, some of the stuff in it was cool. Some of the action I liked, like I think I like dystopian sort of stuff a little bit more. And, you know, if somebody's, uh, head is going to explode in an episode, I will be like, oh, well, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It, the, the episode is boring, but at least someone's head exploded. I get that. So there is a lot of overlap between our bottom halves. Mm. Uh, a few, the one interesting one that I'm very curious to see where it is in your top half is Resident Evil. Right. So I guess. Well, I already, I already revealed that number 16 is Ordinary Joe. Mm-hmm. Number 15 is Resident Evil. <laughs> uh, and you're right. Actually, I, um, you really hated the teenage storyline. And I think they focused like 30% too much on that storyline for me. Especially that one episode where it was all teenage storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because... In that aspect of things, there wasn't the exciting head explosion that would have made me make it feel like it was worth it. And what really, really bothers me in retrospect about that show is the episode where they break into the facility and get infected by the dog. Yeah. There is 10 minutes with no security guards <laughs> with the alarms blaring and the and the lights flashing red. Yeah. And it's this big state-of-the-art compound and it's just the two of them and the dog and that is like i'm not even going to analyze these stories too heavily to feel realistic yeah but that felt false when it comes to the logic of the show exactly and i think the thing that really sunk like resident evil and blade for me was let's lean into the insanity of this and stop taking ourselves so freaking seriously that was the reason I think that they were such bummers to watch was because they were trying to be logical and they were trying to be something more than they were. If they had led into the schlock of it, sure. Schlock it up for me, baby. Mm. But they spent too much time on that other stuff. That's why in our Blade, the series episode, I spent so much time writing down the medical logic (laughs) that they had used to try to explain exactly what was going on. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Right. And when we talked about DC and Resident Evil, actually, I think Blade the series did the best job at having their fake science behind everything. 14 is forever, which I feel bad about having this low. Oh, I know. But um, I think at the end of the day, it was the pacing for me. And uh, th- this is a little bit of the rewatchability thing, because I like a lot of it. I really like a lot of that show. But if I was going to turn something on, the pace is uh, kind of slow intentionally, but sometimes I think unintentionally. And I thought that the decisions they made for the story, for uh Fred and Maya's story, the last couple episodes, 
felt a little weirdly rushed to me. Uh, and that bothers me a little bit in retrospect. But one of the only shows that ends with a cliffhanger, though, again, there's only a handful of these, right? Just move on. Just move on. You're going to make me cry. You're, you're so angry. Okay, I'm... good. Good. I like that. <laughs> I, I texted you and told you I would make you angry. Yeah. Um, I feel bad about it, but it's true. Uh, number 13, Cracking Up. You know, it's funny sitcom. Could have been better. Mm-hmm. Uh, not enough to love, but plenty to like. Um, number 12, I Love Dick. I thought a uh, quality show. What you think is pretentious, I actually thought was like pretty high art. Also, they captured the pretentiousness of the place mm-hmm. on purpose. Um, but I hate the way it makes me feel. And it loses points for being like, what would season two even be? This should have just been a miniseries, right? 11, Why the Last Man. Really enjoyed it, but slow in the middle. Number 10, Paper Girls, amazing show. Great acting from the kids and the, and the women in the series specifically. But the Power Rangers production of it <laughs> and the just lack of commitment from Amazon to make it good mm-hmm. loses so many points for me. Yeah. And, that, and that's like not the show's fault. No. It's not. Um, number nine, High Fidelity. Uh, I really liked that show, but I had to put something at nine. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, number eight, Pivoting. Great cliffhanger at the end. Again. Um, number seven, Midnight Gospel. And I think the rest of these shows I think of as like very high quality shows. Mm-hmm. Midnight Gospel up. I, I'm really a fan of all of these, but I don't have to sit here and, and explain to you why it's a tough show to watch, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But, man, really good points for creativity on that one. Uh, and number six, Q-Force. Mm. Funny, great writing and characters. Um, my only critique of it, and I don't know why I think this, tries a little too hard. I Don't ask me to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Yeah. It is trying to do a lot, especially as sort of this, it felt, I think, the weight of what it was, which was this adult animated first all queer cast action spy comedy thing. It had all of those factors in there. Uh, That being said, I think it was exceptionally well executed. And the voice cast in particular was just spot on and surprising across the board. I mean, I think we talked on that episode about how when you see how Sean Hayes's character is animated, you wouldn't guess Sean Hayes, but he brought so much to that role. Nat Rogers too, um, who makes my wife uh, quake. (laughs) This is a PG podcast, John. I said quake. Um, Not anything more. Another small critique of that show too is remember they'd introduce a character we'd really like Mm -hmm. and then kill them off the next episode. Yeah. And we'd be like, oh, I was hoping they'd be around for two seasons. Mm-hmm. You know. All right, let's get to your 16. My 16 is the Weird Al show. Mm. That's This for me is like the bottom of the, the ones I would recommend. Okay. Because, again, I had fun. 
it was too much though. And I could not watch a lot of it over and over again, but maybe hopefully when I have kids someday, I'll be able to have a great time with them watching this. Interesting distinction you just said. And I want to ask you, is there anything in the bottom 16 you would recommend to anyone? Um, that is a good distinction. I think clerks and why the last man I would Mm. recommend to certain people. Sure. And that was kind of a cutoff for me too. Yeah. Why the last man is one where you're like, I get why I don't like it and Mm. why other people would. Yeah. And I think everything else I would just be like, you can skip this. There's other stuff, including (laughs) the get down, which is my number 15. Wow. Because there was a lot to it that I really, really liked. I'm surprised it's so low for you, actually. Yeah, I I thought about that, too. But again, this was just a what did I enjoy overall more watching. Mm. And 15, cracking up. I think very similar. I had disappointing. 13, yeah. But yeah, not quite there. Number 14, The Time Traveler's Wife. I did really like it. I thought Theo James in particular was really compelling. Number 12, Q-Force. It does feel a little low for me. But again, when I'm just thinking about how these shows stack up against each other. I had it at six. I'm surprised I liked it more than you did. Yeah, I am too. Number 11, Queens. Bring it. Shove Eve out of the show halfway through the season. Why not? She's on an island living her best life. Let's make this party happen. Nasty bitches for life. And you would recommend this show to people? Absolutely. I had such an absolute blast watching Queens for so much of it. Yeah, it dragged at times, but... But how could it? It moves so quickly. (laughs) (laughs) No, and when we think about what we would recommend, what I want is crazy, and what Mm -hmm. Queens delivers is crazy, but in surprising ways. And so... That's why it's so high. Uh, yeah, on my list. I think what you, the crazy you like about Queens is the crazy I like about Resident Evil or Blade or Swamp Thing more than you do. And I think for me, it's that Queens does not take itself too seriously. No, but it, it does. It has too many moments where it tries to make you care about things, though. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, I don't know. Like it puts the music over it, like we're having a nostalgic moment. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, that's fair. Number 10, and similarly, these top 10 for me, like, I would recommend to absolutely everyone. Uh, 10, Marvel's MODOK. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Loved it. Um, Just other stuff I liked more, including number nine, Clone High. Mm. So both of those are in your top five. Yeah. I'm curious to see I haven't gotten to either of them yet. Yeah. Uh, Number eight, High Fidelity. That's a show that it's one of the reasons why I really enjoy doing this podcast because I gave up on it like two episodes in when it first came out. And I used this podcast as a way to motivate myself to watch the rest of it. And when you look at the entire arc of the season, you're like, this is definitely a show for everyone. And it's so, so, so worth watching. Right. And you don't even like the main character in the first episode or two, but Rob is such a self-destructive character, which is usually such a huge turnoff for me, especially when you're, sort of committed to them over a long period of time. But Zoe Kravitz brought it. That entire supporting cast was great. Soundtrack, wonderful. It elevated what could have been dated material, what is really good original source material, but does wear its time on its sleeves a little bit. And the fact that they updated it and elevated it in the way that they did, so admirable. Really grew on me, that show. Yeah. And 
I think this is where it started to get really hard for me. Um, number seven, Zach Stone is going to be famous. Whoa. Yeah, I love, love, love Zach Stone is going to be famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, especially watching the entire arc of it. But just not as, not quite as good as the other ones. You're on the, the you're the Bo Burnham guy, though. I have branded myself as such, but yeah, I, it's burnt onto you. It is. I got a tattoo. It's terrible. It's somehow not the most cowish thing about you, though. <laughs> I moo, baby moo. Number six, the Midnight Gospel. Uh, heartfelt, deeply intense and spiritual, but also crazy fun and cool and weird and interesting. So, yeah. Again, I am so surprised you have that that you liked it as much as you did and that you have it now this high up on the list. I know. This is like a whole side of you I didn't know about. And now a word from our sponsors. Well, should we get into my top five then? or Let's do it, baby. Number five, pivoting. I think that pivoting is a network sitcom done to its absolute best in almost every conceivable way. The three leads are, they are not only great on their own, but their chemistry is incredible. Mm -hmm. It is written to a T. It is so chock full of jokes, but also took the time to like treat its characters like humans. It was just so fun to watch. And that really made pivoting so exceptional for me. And probably of these shows, it was one of the most surprising. For mm-hmm. me. Like I went into it with no expectations, uh, just knowing I liked Eliza Coop and and Jennifer Goodwin and uh, Maggie Q. But like, yeah, it just it blew me away. Great, great end of the season two. Mm-hmm. Really makes me upset. There's no season two. It really just ended on such a great high. Okay, but. What would you take, uh, pivoting or happy endings? If you had to uh, choose, happy endings, just because it is so integral to I've watched to happy you as a so person. Times. But mm. pivoting is one of those shows that, if it had lasted three seasons like Happy Endings did, I would be rewatching it over and over again. Mm-hmm. I think just knowing how I enjoy rewatching shows. Yeah. Number four, Paper Girls. Oh yeah, this was the biggest heartbreak for me. Yeah, I think. Because talk about cliffhangers, an amazing cliffhanger at the end of those eight episodes. And it just, each of those characters meant so much to me by the end of it. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it got screwed over in post-production in more ways than one. And I think that just made it all the more sort of depressing to see it go. What other than, was it just the low production value that made you rank it so low? Or was there anything else? Yeah, it, I mean, it wasn't so low. I had it as a uh, 10, you know, so it's in my top 10. I think the first episode, I it didn't hook me. It felt kind of, e- even the girls, like, as chemistry and as characters, I didn't uh, care too much about the first episode. Mm-hmm. It's just that the actual story and the weight of its existentialism mid-season and where it could have gone and the relationships that they have with them, their older selves and the fact that one of them is dead when they're older and doesn't tell everybody and 
the way that the girls grow together. It's the story really grew on me, but I didn't start out loving it. And also, I don't know how much rewatchability it has for me over other things. I did buy the graphic novel, though. When I'm yeah. done with it, I'll send it to you. I'm very excited. I'm really it. looking forward to it. Number three for me is Lovecraft Country. Dealt with such big, heady, weighty themes mm-hmm. and executed them near flawlessly. And the performances are great. I think of all of the shows that we watched, Michael K. Williams delivers one of the most powerful and interesting performances, I think, across all of the shows. And yeah, it's sci-fi, it's horror, it's every genre done so exceptionally well. Agreed. I, I have some comments, but I'll save it for my top five. Number two for me is Forever. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. Yes. Wow. I mean, I get it. No, I disagree with almost everything you knocked it for. All of my problems with Because I think it's really rewatchable. Uh, As someone who has watched all of the episodes four or five times, Mm -hmm. um, it brings me a lot of Someone who's watched it four or five times thinks it's rewatchable? Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Obviously, you've (laughs) rewatched it. It... Maya Rudolph in that show is so, 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 so good mm-hmm. as she is in everything that she does. Kathleen Keener, amazing. It has, for me, one of the best standalone episodes of any of the shows that we watched. Mm-hmm. Episode six or seven? Six of yeah. the show. Yeah. And it touches on again really kind of big themes but also is so funny when it wants to be and i think mm-hmm. alan yang is such a special talent mm-hmm. both in front of him or like both as a writer and as a director it doesn't bother you at all that he worked on the good place and then did his own the good place nope i just want him to do more stuff and i don't care what it is <laughs> you're like good place on fox the good place on hbo <laughs> do the good place on uh peacock but the fact that he's was able to you know work on the good place and then bring something new to say i think about the afterlife there's probably more of what he wanted to do on it that they probably didn't let him or at least didn't work for the tone of the yeah, show yeah. compared to yeah it's much goofier just, yeah and forever is just more grounded and sort of tense but fun and hilarious and oh i just love 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 forever it, it, it's a beautiful message i just think it uh it's just not as tight around near the end yeah and i i think every minute is special i mean really they're like four minutes on the beach they only do (laughs) over the shoulder shots we're not gonna go into this number one is freaks and geeks which i think is not only one of the best one and dones of all time it is one of the best tv shows of all time i think most people will agree with you yeah i'm i'm quite basic in that in that regard it's okay but it's it's also in your top five. So what is what is your, the rest of your top five look? Like? Right. If you want to hear John talk about why he loves Freaks and Geeks so much, just listen to the episode because we both do. Um, I'm not I, I'm not surprised you put that up top, but I guess I would have thought maybe you'd put something else. Um, hmm. Okay, my top five. Five. Clone High. Okay. It's just 
so quirky <laughs> and crazy and original in its concept. And I think to take an idea that's so far out there and to make it work so well is still baffling to me. You know, as a comedy writer, that is like just such a feat, a Herculean feat to me to take something that should only work as a sketch and make it like 13 very funny episodes. Uh, it does drag a little bit in the middle, though. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because we've seen it so many times, though. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, number four, I put Zach Stone. It's yeah. going to be famous. That was uh, a really tough one to leave outside of my top five. Probably, to me, the most solid family comedy. You'd probably put pivoting ahead of that. But, I did p- p- put pivoting ahead of that, yeah. Right, but to me, um, well, because pivoting is also such a friendship comedy, too. Yeah. Um, that I just think like the family dynamic of Zach Stone and it gets beyond the premise of him being like, I'm trying to be famous and every episode is a different way of being famous and it's really fun. It's like you really do see his mom and Biff go (laughs) through these like waves of trying to be supportive and then hating him and being frustrated, and then being ambivalent, mm. and then going back to supportive. And I, I I thought that just rang, like, so true to me. Yeah. Of, of you know, as a family dynamic. Uh, number three, I have Freaks and Geeks. Okay. Right. Which, wow, for all of the reasons that we love it, yeah. and if it's going to lose points to me, it's just because... It's another, it's a show about high school. Uh-huh. And I think that concept, it's uh, the fact that they're like, what if we took high school, but we told it about our friends instead of the way that people usually tell high school stories. Um, I think it, of course, this is, sounds harsher than I mean it to be, but it slightly loses points for originality because of that. And there is, obviously, I love it. I think it's a 10 out of 10. But that is the reason. It's not number one to me, I Okay. Think. Okay. Number two. Is Modoc? Lovecraft Country. Whoa! What? Which means my number one is Modoc. I know. Holy, okay. I'm very surprised. Go for it. I'm very Go surprised. It. I'll give you... Take All right. the time you need. Let me read my notes and we'll we are it out. we are an hour so, into this recording. Take whatever time you need. To number two, this. Lovecraft Country, uh, incredibly ambitious. Every genre you could want pushes boundaries, action, sex, drama, makes statements. You name it. So many points for originality. So compelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the major there's one major flaw in the story. So if you remember halfway through, Michael K. Williams kills that spirit. Okay. And it comes out of nowhere, and I didn't think they explained it very well. And I was happy to see that people online were even more outraged about that than I was. But it, it was the only part where I was like, it felt like they did a lot to get somewhere and then immediately just undercut it. And I get why the character did it, whatever. But I, I, had, a, I had a real problem with that. Mm-hmm. And then I get why people would think that maybe they were a bit irresponsible with the subject matter. Okay. But at the same time, like, they told so much and they went so hard 
into the emotional components of what the show is about that I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fault them for that, but I get why people would. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing show. If I was just going to across the board, recommend something to people, it's probably freaks and geeks and Lovecraft country. And then there's Modoc. And then there's Modoc. I thought it was funny the whole time. Uh, I thought it was a really unique show. I thought it was just very creative. It was beautiful stop motion, actually, from a directing standpoint, too. The way that they did the camera work, like this office-style docu-camera work on a stop-motion thing is, like, I think really difficult to do. I mean they must have had to be incredibly meticulous with the way they, they made it. And I just thought it was like a beautiful show. And I think rewatchability for me right now too, like I'm going to rewatch it. And I just think it's funny and I could put it on and I could find new things to love often. And it gains points for being a half hour instead of an hour in a weird way. Like, mm -hmm. Again, where these top 10 and especially top five were really, were really razor thin cutting the critical elements of it to me. And so it just comes down to preference and rewatchability. All yeah. right, let me have it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's your list. It's your list. Uh, for me, MODOK drags a little too much. It wasn't as consistently funny. I think it works when it, works uh -huh. but i think there just wasn't that sort of overall consistent engagement from me mm -hmm. uh toward it i also it had a really good cliffhanger i was curious to see where it would oh, go right yeah yeah but it just didn't hit me in the way i think that it hit you it it for me it was it was entertainment and it wasn't that sort of like guttural like i wasn't drawn to it on sort of a deeper level which i'm not saying that everything needs to be no, emotionally no, this... engaging or anything yeah. like that i mean pivoting is not very emotionally engaging but i just think as a show it is more consistently fun to watch mm. see yeah I, I think i would put i had a real problems with the first two episodes of pivoting mm -hmm. Uh, whereas Modoc off the bat really surprised me. And yeah, Modoc was, was shoots out like a freaking bullet. Like, right. It is a really quick show to get on board with. And I, I think there's a part of me too of like, as someone who would like to make things, I'm really fascinated with the way it's made and being like, I don't, I think it would be very hard for other people to replicate it. I think it's, really uh technically well done and then i think i'm just a big fan of Patton oswald yeah he just delivers an amazing voice performance right watch i love my dad check <laughs> it out on hulu well with that uh those are our entire that was our 2022 how do you feel about our 2022 i i feel great about our 2022 i don't know if we can do this next year when we have 50, you know, possibly 50 to review. Well, we're gonna. So <laughs> good luck. Well, let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with an in memoriam segment. And now a word from our sponsors.
Well, John, I don't know how familiar you are with tarot cards, but there is a card called death, <laughs> which when it comes up, people think, oh my God, I'm going to die. Wrong. It's actually a card that means, hey, stuff is ending, but stuff is also going to begin anew. And it cannot happen unless stuff dies. So let's talk about the stuff that died in 2022. <laughs> that uh, there are shocking ones. There are surprising ones. There are ones that we could have seen coming a mile away. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to put a little list out there. Uh, let's mourn. The flight attendant on HBO Max. Ooh. R.I.P. Two seasons. Haley Cuoco. Yeah. We Harley Cuoco. I think, wasn't the first season nominated for stuff, too? Yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually, I meant to watch it, and I haven't. First season's really fun. Second season, meh. When we do our spinoff podcast, two and through, <laughs> we'll, we'll get around to it. Did you come up with that just now? Uh, no, I thought of that a while ago. <laughs> uh, number two, uh, Blackish ended on ABC after eight seasons. It concluded, but also it was kind of canceled. It has a few spinoffs. I think it has done just fine. Right, right. I just know that it would have lasted longer, but there was, for the last couple of years, tensions between the creators and ABC as far as how far they could go with um, civil rights issues and how outspoken they were going to be about them. Mm -hmm. So that's why, even though it ended after eight seasons, it really... It feels canceled to me. It's very strange. Um, we have Dezus and Miro. Oh, uh, uh, a rare talk show cancellation, which, yeah, I'm surprised that was, that honestly lasted as long as it did just because it did feel so unique and so interesting. And also Showtime just doesn't seem like the right platform for a weekly talk show. But, yeah. And the weird thing, it broke up because they like weren't getting along and they both wanted to do their own stuff. It wasn't because Showtime, because it's a weird thing for Showtime to do, which yeah, it is. But it's also a cheap thing. So Yeah, exactly. Uh, number four, Dairy Girls on Netflix is over after three seasons. Uh, one of my wife's favorites, but yeah, I, I never watched it. Oh, it's really funny. I'm sure it is. I definitely recommend putting it on with the subtitles because their Irish accents are <laughs> crazy. Uh, crazy hard to keep up with but also it was about high school girls like how long was it gonna last yeah it's like the in-betweeners can't do too much it's like a female in-betweeners actually you'd really like it i'm sure i would um we have f boy island canceled after two seasons on hbo max oh poor nikki glazer she'll have to do other stuff oh was she the host yeah oh wow i mean yeah, yeah. i just figured with a name like that it would last forever uh, Full Frontal on Samantha B was over after seven seasons. I think TBS was just sort of changing what they're doing. No more yeah. Conan. Um, we got Good Girls is over on after four seasons on NBC. That had a pretty successful run for a show that I I wasn't sure would last past one. Yeah, I watched the first half of the first season and I really liked it. Um, we stand against Christina Hendricks in on this. Uh, she may be to blame for why it's canceled though. Uh, so the, this is why I want to bring this up. Retta on a talk show said that it was going to go to season five, but one cast member backed out too close to when production was going to start. Oh. So they didn't have time to rewrite it. So it was just canceled instead. 
Dang. My guess is it was Christina Hendricks. Mm. So that's uh, High Maintenance, Four Seasons on HBO. The showrunners got divorced a couple years ago, and I think it just... Finally ran its course. Yeah. They were also doing it on Vimeo for a couple of years before that. Yeah. So working on anything for eight to ten years is tough. It's a long life. Yeah, exactly. Keenan canceled after two seasons on NBC. Yeah. Mr. Mayor, two seasons on NBC. That sucked. I, I really liked Mr. Mayor. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. I did. Ted Danson and Tina Fey and Robert Carlock. It's just another Tina Fey and Robert Carlock show, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. The Last OG, four seasons on TBS. Um, TBS is just a mess. They are a mess. And I mean, I never really watched it, but uh, Tracy Morgan rabbit holes on YouTube. I can just watch him on. Uh, <laughs> I, I just go down those rabbit holes of watching him on talk shows. I love it. Los Spookies, two seasons. Really? That got mixed. Oh, that stinks. I really like Julio Torres, but I never watched. He does have a new show coming. Okay, out, good. That so, makes me happy. But it was weird to me that it took like three years for season two to come out and they yeah. canceled it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Match Game, five seasons on CBS. My theory, Alec Baldwin killed somebody. <laughs> Monarch with Susan Sarandon was OAD. Yeah, that'll be a new one, I think, for us to do in 2023. We will be doing that soon, I'm sure. Uh, Step Up on Stars, three seasons. Based on the movie? Yeah. I don't know what Stars does. Right. But the <laughs> fact that it lasted three seasons on Stars is why I brought it up. Sorry, I just spit on you. You're good. This is why we don't uh, record together. Yeah. Um, Kevin can f himself, two seasons on AMC. It said final season, but Yeah, uh, it ended they knew that season two was gonna be the final season, so at least they got to end on their own terms. Okay, good. Yeah, I brought it up because I know you watched it. I still I watched haven't. the first season. The second season isn't as much of a priority right now for me because mm-hmm. I knew it was the last season. Nice. Uh Raised by Wolves, two seasons. What a big misfire that was for HBO Max. That was an HBO Max uh, flagship. That was a, a launch show for them. Right, which like I hear it's a cool show for like sci-fi nerds. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, weird, weird thing. Ridley Scott. Okay, then we have C, three seasons on Apple Plus. Saved by the Bell reboot, two seasons on Peacock. Space Force. Yeah, another, like, big budget, weird misfire. I've really liked season one. I thought it was fine, like, as a as sort of casual entertainment. But that right. was an expensive show to do. Yeah, there were things I liked about season one, and there are reasons I never watched season two. That's fair. Right? Story-wise, it was all over the place. Yeah. Tuca and Birdie, three seasons. I need to watch the other ones, the non-Netflix ones, because mm-hmm. I really like Tuca and Birdie. Uh, United States of Al, I brought up because somehow that lasted two seasons. <laughs> uh, something called Warrior Nun on Netflix. Oh, yeah. What is that? That's another one of Netflix's attempts to sort of drum up a sort of big budget action IP. Mm, gotcha. Uh, Westworld. I know. Four seasons and done. We could dedicate an entire episode to what's happening at HBO. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure if we ever do a Patreon, we can get into some, some good Westworld talk. <laughs> uh, we got Woke, two seasons on Hulu. I really like that show. That's a bummer. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I've uh, I haven't really heard anything about it, but I've always been interested. Yeah, Lamorne Morris I think is a great leading man, and I hope he does more stuff. And I'm closing out the segment with Your Honor, two seasons on Showtime, and I'm really really sorry for my boy Michael Stuhlbarg, who 
who should be nominated for every award every time he does something. Did you watch Your Honor, though? Uh, the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> I've been meaning to get back to it. Well, that was a show that I think was supposed to be a limited series, and then they found an idea for a season two. Oh. I think that was why they didn't have more seasons of it. I think they were just like, we're good. Mm. Well, I saw Canceled. It didn't say final. I, I just it... assumed Brian Cranston, you know, they thought a lot of people would watch it because of that, and then the audience never came. No, I think the reason it got renewed was because season one did okay, and there was enough sort of behind it to warrant a season two, but then season two didn't pick up anything, so they are like, we're done. We're yeah, done. it's also tough when you take three years to come out with another season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, John, um, now we can talk about 2023. Yeah. So you've done some research and saw a couple of shows that you wanted to keep a tab on. All right. So coming out soon, we've got that 90s show. Are you at all looking forward to that? I never cared for that 70s show. And we watched that 80s show. Oh, we did? Yeah, we should come back to that. We that's should. a mess. It is. It's really bad. Uh, I love that 70s show. It's bad in the way that you expect it to be, but there is, there's plenty of good things about it. That 90s show looks like a worse version of Fuller House. A worse version of Fuller House, because Fuller House isn't high art. John, the audience can't see my eyes right now. <laughs> they are big. Yeah, their eyebrows are raised. Yeah. I do think it's going to last three seasons, though, because people are stupid. Yeah. I am going to go two. Uh, okay, we've got Poker Face with Ryan Johnson coming out on Peacock. Oh. You know that one? No, I don't. Oh, he has like a week-to-week -week mystery, like murder mystery, I think, show coming out. Oh, that sounds awesome. It does, but my guess is there's going to be too much hype. It's going to be really expensive, and people are going to be disappointed. Yeah. And it's going to be one and done. I think that's fair. Um, also, Peacock. Yeah. Peacock, though, is a little bit more forgiving, I think, of its shows than some other services are. Right. It just sounds really high profile, and I'm guessing it's not going to get the views they're going to want for how much they invest. I think it's going to be two. I could see it. Uh, then we have The Idol starring The Weeknd coming out on HBO Max. Oh. It's from one of the creators of Euphoria, mm. and it's a show about a famous music person. Yeah, I think that could be two seasons. I put it as one and done because uh, Warner Brothers Discovery hates black people, much <laughs> like George Bush does. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> fair. They do, they do, and it is... An absolute mess, but hopefully by the time that something like that comes out, they will have got their stuff together a little bit more. I they're I think they're hoping it's something like Euphoria meets uh, Entourage, but my guess is it's going to be more like Vinyl. Yeah, it could be, and or Generation, which is another show we need to do. All also Vinyl. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll do a back to back. That would be a fun one. That would be interesting. Yeah. Double feature. Um, okay, then we have Anne Rice's Mayor Witches. Okay, so this is AMC's sort of expansion of the Anne Rice-averse, which they I They mean, bought like 18 of her properties. Dude, Interview with a Vampire is supposed to be amazing. Really? Uh, yeah, and it's actually driven a lot of subscribers to that platform. So I think it's gonna do okay, or at least AMC is gonna put enough behind it because 
you don't want the second thing of what is supposed to be an expanded universe kind of thing to fail because that is just going to sink the rest of the investments that you made. Like that would be such a domino effect if they canceled that after one season. Well, you know a lot more about this than I do because (laughs) I thought it'd be one and done, but only because all I did was read the description (laughs) which is uh, an intuitive young neurosurgeon who discovers that she is the unlikely heir to a family of witches. As she grapples with her newfound powers, she must contend with a sinister presence that has haunted her family for generations. Not for me, but I think there's an audience for it on AMC. I I hope so. I don't know if anyone watches AMC anymore, (laughs) so I just assume uh, everything they do is going to fail. Next, we have the reboot of Night Court. No. OAD. I know. Yeah, that that's a bad idea. Me and Natalie even went through a phase of watching Night Court before we go to bed. And it's like a very easy thing to watch with some nice jokes in it. But we didn't watch that much of it. <laughs> why are they rebooting this? No idea. Because they've got the rights to it. And why not? Are you excited that John LaRoquette is coming back? I could not care less that John LaRoquette <laughs> is coming back. Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to bring up is, of course, MILF Manor. Eight strong-headed women aged between 40 to 60 from all across the country will participate in the show in order to find love with men half their age. That'll last 36 seasons and will become enshrined on the side of the Washington Monument as the (laughs) perfect symbol for what America should and can be. Yeah, it's going to graduate from the Smithsonian (laughs) and get a museum of its own. Exactly. I I wrote will last a million years. (laughs) It's going to leapfrog the Library of Congress. Uh, so there's a lot to be said about like what's coming in 2023, but these are some things that I'm going to be keeping an eye on from an industry level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some of our listeners know this, but understanding what is happening in streaming from like a business perspective is part of my day-to-day job. So I have thought a lot about this and there are a couple key things that we can keep an eye on. What's going to be happening with free ad supported streaming services. That's going to be, I think, the biggest story of 2023. One of the things that HBO is doing, have you heard about this? Have you heard about this? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you thought about this? What is a a streamer? Yeah, I don't know, Dave. Tell me more about it. HBO Max is presumably going to license some of the shows that it has ripped from HBO Max to free ad-supported streaming services. So Westworld is a show that got ripped from HBO Max as a platform, but they are thinking about licensing it to something like Pluto TV or Roku or um, Tubi. These are free services that have seen a lot of growth over the past Natalie has Pluto on her phone. Yeah, it's great for people that don't want to pay for stuff, and the ad revenue that comes in helps support any sort of licensing fees that these services have to face. Plus they're backed by big organizations. You know, Pluto is sort of becoming a flagship for Paramount and Roku just has bought up a bunch of content and they've been growing like crazy too. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more investment in sort of free ad supported services as well as some, uh, uh, some big titles that are coming from, platforms like HBO Max that aren't supporting the stuff that isn't working as much. 
Mm -hmm. but there's still an audience for them. That's it. I wanted to discuss how Westworld was being pulled from the streaming service. I forgot to bring that up. Mm -hmm. So basically they're in their mind. Like remember halfway through the year when they ripped down all those shows like camping. Yeah. Things that weren't getting watched very much. Uh, the American pickle was a movie. Yeah. So those, they ripped those down because then Warner brothers discovery was going to have to pay royalties essentially to keep them on the platform. So if nobody's watching them on HBO, it screws over the creators for sure, but Warner Brothers is probably going to be looking for opportunities to license that content to something else so that they become revenue generating again instead of just things that are being that are essentially costs. Right. So then a platform like Pluto is looking for content with name recognition mm-hmm. to bring people to it so that they'll watch. It'll also be interesting just in general to see how like ad supported streaming gets bigger. I mean, like I wanted to ask you about Netflix, Netflix, Disney plus has an ad supported platform now too. I mean, Mm -hmm. at this point, every major streaming service that was ad free has some sort of ad supported platform to it. We are probably going to be seeing a lot of um, investment in the, bigger sort of name drawing IP that has uh, bolstered these services in big ways. Um, Like for example, we're probably going to get another stranger things soon. And that's going to be a big sort of ad. Oh, a spinoff. No, I mean just like the last season or, but I'm just saying like things of that caliber are going to be so much more important for like the Netflixes and Disney's to hold on to because those are the shows that get people watching on the platform and therefore are going to be the reasons that non-streaming brands are going to be advertising on those platforms. Like it's like the Super Bowl of content essentially. Right. Um, But I think as a result of that too, we're also going to be seeing a much quicker death of the network sitcom and like the network, I think in particular the network drama. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because everything's got to look like it's Dick Wolf or else it's just not going to last on a network, right? Absolutely, yeah. And anything that has been successful is just getting more successful when it's on streaming. I think of, like, the Yellowstone universe. Like, oh, my gosh. What is happening with that? And why do old people love it? Because they love it. They love seeing, you know, Helen Mirren throw on a southern accent and hope for the best. Actually, it's an Irish accent. Oh, I... I do not watch any of the. I saw a commercial for it today (laughs) and I was like, oh, she's got an Irish accent. So, I mean, I think honestly, when I think about the streamers that are going to be successful, like Paramount is doing really, really well. You know what's weird? I saw Harrison Ford has another TV show coming out. Yeah. So I'm like, what? I know that they have the new Indiana Jones happening, but what is this Harrison Ford reconnaissance that's going on? Uh, he does not need a reconnaissance. No. Yeah. A affordance. <laughs> so twenty twenty three is going to be, I think, really interesting. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more stuff canceled from HBO and Netflix in particular. I think that's going to be some really big fodder for us to. Uh, we are going to be harvesting that crop a lot. That's right. Twenty twenty three. And just because uh, really only fans of our podcast are listening anymore, it's like, <laughs> I'll just say uh, that 
you know, hopefully in 2023, I would like to be able to do a couple more interviews with people, mm-hmm. with more industry people, more writers, producers, actors, even. I'm going to try to get that sort of content going. Uh, so I hope we're trying to figure out how that'll fit in exactly with what we're doing already, but who cares? It'll be fun. Yeah. And uh, what's like a show and that you're looking forward to reviewing for one and done, John? Firefly. Mm-hmm. We'll get to it. And I'm excited to revisit that. What about you? I don't know why. I really want to watch Feed the Beast with David Schwimmer on AMC. <laughs> I think it has something to do with uh, the popularity of the bear. And I want to see where David at AMC failed, where for some reason Hulu knocked it out of the park with the bear, which Holy like, heck. I like it. I don't know why everyone's so crazy about it. I don't either. I really liked it. I watched all of it in about two days. Recently, and, right? Yeah, very oh, recently. I'm glad you said that because I thought you wouldn't like it because it's so stressful. No, and I think it was because everyone was like, it's so stressful. It's so stressful. So I came into it being like, okay, I've got to be ready for this. And it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I can I can tolerate this. It was no, uh, oh, what's the Adam Sandler movie about the diamonds? Uncut, Uncut Gems. Gems. Yeah, what's more stressful? Uh, again, neither, because I honestly went into Uncut Gems having that same sort of like, <laughs> it's so stressful. And I was like, okay. And then I watched Uncut Gems. I was like, eh. Yeah, the no. bear did a good job of like diluting the stress when it got way too high, but then it would come back. And I'm like, I truly don't know if I'm looking forward to it, but I'll probably watch it anyway. It's it's great. Um, but also what's been great is 2022. I'm looking forward to an exciting 2023 of many probably terrible TV shows. Oh, yeah. Next week, we're going to do the characters on Netflix. And after that, we're doing Napoleon Dynamite. That's right. Which is the last show that our competitors did before they finally dropped off the face of the earth. We defeated you. We did defeat you. Because we will have more episodes. We are dancing on their graves. (laughs) And we have fully, we might dissect what they did, what they left behind, and ultimately what made them one and done. Until then. Enjoy yourselves. Happy New Year. That would be so petty and amazing (laughs) if we did that. All right. Thanks for listening. Brought to you by Lack of Hustle Media.